Welcome to the Ferris Love Shrine Podcast, where we share spiritual and practical ideas for how to live family life with a beautiful, self-sacrificing love. In this episode, we're talking with Janet Quinlan, a certified life coach who works with women so that they have strong marriages and happy, well-behaved children. Welcome, Janet. Hi, thanks, Katie, for having me. Yeah, we're excited to have you. And you're going to join us and talk today about creating bright and cheerful homes. So I'd love to get just, can you give like a one sentence description or idea of kind of what is a bright and cheerful home? Yeah. So a home that is bright and cheerful, it's going to be different for everybody, but it is a place where everyone can feel at peace and nurtured and connected and happy, really. Hmm. I love that. I love that. So what does it mean to create this kind of home? Yeah, we have to be real conscious of what the container in which we live our family life. Um, when the children are usually out of the home at school, um, maybe our spouse is out working, maybe we're out working, we need a place to come home to where um, we really find uh, peace and acceptance and just that nurturing bond. And I think that when you look at it, there are in my mind, three separate areas. Um, one would be the physical environment. The second would be the emotional environment. And then I think the third is the spiritual environment. And actually, I think a lot of people, especially moms, tend to fret and worry about the physical environment mm. and they let the emotional environment and the spiritual environment go. And also there are people who think uh, more about the spiritual environment and then let the other two go. And I really think that um, it's like a perfect triad to look at all three environments because they're all important for different reasons. Mm-hmm. I love this. Okay, so let's dive into each of these environments and try and get a better idea of how do we create each of them in our home. So the physical environment, tell me more about that. Like, what does that look like? Is it the same across the board for every home? Yeah, so it really, it's the same and yet different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How's that for an answer? Sure. Um You know, they have the same basic components. And the first one might surprise people um, because when we think of our physical environment, the thing that children want most in the physical environment are their parents. They want their parents present. And we think of interior decorating and we're looking on Pinterest for how it's going to look beautiful. But really, the children, they couldn't care less. They want us there. So I think that it's important first and foremost to think about how do we show up in our home for our children. Uh, and and we all have different work schedules, and sometimes we have control over that, and sometimes we don't. Uh, I remember when we were first starting out. So we have seven children. The first six were born the, in eight years, and then five years later, Matthew came along. And um, so it was a busy home, and my husband was an attorney, and he was gone a lot. And um, we found that with him not home, we were not creating the kind of marriage that we wanted, nor the family life that we wanted. So he said goodbye to the fast-track career and created a different career for himself in the legal field. But what was interesting is that when he left that job, and was going to a different job, our daughter, who was three at the time, asked if daddy would have a bed at the new job. And we 
didn't really consider that the children noticed how much he was gone. But it really struck us that at even at three, she would ask that question. So think about where you are, um, if you're in the home, if you're not in the home, but more specifically, think about why you are doing what you're doing. So, um, so many of us just kind of move forward with a career and we don't really stop to think if this is the road that's going to create the happiness in the family life that we want. So that's the first thing. And then getting more practical, um, we're talking about things like furnishings. Um, you know, is your home child friendly? And it would really depend on how old your children are. Um, and if they're young and they're going to be messy, then we certainly create boundaries for them where food is just in the kitchen and, um, you know, they don't walk around with, you know, tippy cups all over the place. But we also make sure that we understand that we can't have really nice breakable things. They will break them. I remember, again, going back to poor Kathleen, she was our first art. And so we learned a lot of lessons from her. But I used to have this collection of statues in this little uh, shelving unit. And she used to crawl over to it and want to, you know, pull it down or just at least look at it. And in the beginning, I kept kind of, you know, tapping her hand and saying, no, no, no. And then it it dawned on me, why am I offering this to her when she can't even have it? So Mm -hmm. we took it out and we survived. We still had a nice looking home. But so, yeah, consider your physical surroundings, um, what you have, what your furnishings are, and whether they're not age and whether they are age appropriate for children or not. Also, in physical environment, look at the order of your home. Uh, Do you have a schedule for mealtime? Do you have a schedule for getting up on time? Is your home run in an orderly fashion? Uh, As a teacher, I can tell you that children crave order. And sometimes it's very hard to do, especially if you have a lot of children. But mm-hmm. as soon as you put that order in, you'll be amazed at how well their behavior is and also how uh, less stressed you are. So keep an ordered home, bedtime, mealtime, everything is you know on the clock. Make sure that you're careful about keeping it clean and not cluttered. Clutter creates so much stress. And um, we don't even realize it. Sometimes we get so used to everything out that we just don't even realize how much it affects us. So be careful about that. And then a couple of things about tech. Um, mm. It's so important. We, you know, when I was having children, we didn't even have computers. <laughs> <laughs> That's a long time ago. So uh, I know that there are, you know, a lot of issues that parents have to deal with. And oftentimes they don't want to be the only ones, but we were the only ones, even when there wasn't computer, there was always something, right? That everybody else got to do and we didn't let our children do. But here's a statistic that we should think about in creating this physical environment and whether we allow children to be on screens. Mm -hmm. Children who are from eight to 10 years old average six hours a day on screens. Wow. Eight to 10. Eight to 10. 18. That's eight. Right. Because they all have phones now. Mm -hmm. And children 11 to 14 spend an average of nine hours. Isn't that interesting? And then children 15 to 18 actually spend an average of eight hours. So it's in that 11 to 14, probably because it's new to them and they're just socializing more than when they're a little older. 
But we have to be extremely vigilant about pulling that back because if the children are on technology, they're not interacting with us. Likewise, if we're on technology, we're not interacting with them. So that physical environment of being very careful about how much tech we allow in our home, and guess what, parents? You actually are the boss in your home, so you can decide. So often I get uh, moms that I coach and they say, but how do I get him to get off of PlayStation? I'm like, you take him off PlayStation. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, just You remove it. it. Right, right. And then also, of course, be very, very careful about having monitoring systems on your technology, on your TV. Um, don't assume that it's not going to be your child because it will be your child. So sure. um, be very careful about that. Mm -hmm. um, I want to circle back before I move on to the next environment. Sure. So the very first thing you talked about in the physical environment that, that they need their parents, right? That mm -hmm. they need you home. And I'm curious... Um, if you can just dive into that a little bit more, is it just they need your presence or do they need certain types of interaction with you? Do they need certain things from you? Or is it enough if you're like in the room with them, you're on your phone, they're, I don't know, in this day and age, they're like doing Zoom calls with school or whatever. Right, it, right. Does it depend on the type of interaction? Yeah. You know, when I was raising children, it was the whole argument over quality versus quantity right? Which is more important? Is it quality time, 10 minutes of quality time, or an hour of quantity time? And actually, it's both. You need to have quality quantity time. <laughs> you need to spend time with your children, looking at them, speaking with them, listening to them. So yeah, put that phone down. We're, mm -hmm. we're so, uh, gosh, they even have some kind of new psychological disorder where if you don't have your phone with you, you have this panic attack. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, we need to be with our children, but we don't need to be entertaining them. So mm. if you're a stay-at-home mom and you're able to, to be there with your children, you don't have to be playing with them. Mm -hmm. In fact, teach them to you know um, occupy themselves sure. and teach them to get along with siblings. So- it is important that we have quality time where we're actually interacting with them. Dinner time is a perfect example. No phones at the dinner table. Everybody sits down and talks about their days. And um, and then, you know, other times, maybe when we're putting them to bed at night, mm -hmm. particularly when they get to be teenagers, mm -hmm. you want to really make sure that you're checking in with them and forcing them really to talk to you. They're going to want to say, yeah, everything's fine. Nothing's, mm -hmm. nothing's going on. But really, we have to get in there and ask more questions. Mm -hmm. And I remember telling my sons, look, I'm, going to leave. I'm not going to leave until you tell me what's going on. Mm -hmm. They didn't like it, but they got used to it. Sure. And um, so, yeah, that's really important. Um, isolationism is extremely important. So if you're saying, yeah, everybody's in the home, but they're all in their separate rooms, mm -hmm. that's not good. That's, yeah. that's not being present. Right. This is reminding me as you're talking, I remember being a kid and my dad, like sitting all the kids down one day and was like, if anything ever happens, if you ever need to talk to me about anything, like you can come to me or to your mother, we will listen, we will not judge. And at the time I remember thinking, oh my gosh, he's on to me. I got pulled over today on my way home from school and he knows, and I didn't even get a ticket, but I got pulled over. And so I literally had to go and be like, um, dad. <laughs> and I oh told gosh, him, how funny. but 
it was such a good lesson. And after that, it really did. Like all of us knew like we could go to them with mm -hmm. things. And it was weird because like I'm sure we could before, but just mm -hmm. even the act of him saying, you can come to us. Mm -hmm. We are there to help you really created a dynamic in my family that's very different than I think a lot of the families that like that I see. So I, I love that. Yeah. And I would imagine that that's because your dad started that when you were very, very young. Mm -hmm. And you, but when he repeated it, you knew you could feel safe and talk to him. Mm -hmm. Many parents think I'll start that when they're 13 and that's too late then. Sure. So exactly. you need to start that when they're very young so that when they're 16 and they get pulled over, mm -hmm. they, they do trust you and they sure. know they can come to you. Mm -hmm. This is great. Okay. Let's pivot into the emotional environment now. Okay. Tell us about that. What does that look like in your home? Yeah. So the emotional environment is a place of um, really respect for each other. It is, I like to call the home a sanctuary because that's really what it ought to be. A place where everybody can come and just be themselves. They should feel protected accepted, nurtured, connected, and loved. Mm -hmm. And they will not feel those things if they don't feel respected first and foremost. So, you know, I do a lot of coaching with parents whose children are disrespectful to them. And when I ask them about whether or not they're respectful in the way they treat them and speak to the children, oftentimes they are not. And so we have to be very careful that we treat our children with the respect that we want them to treat us. Now, that doesn't mean that they're on the same level with us. We're not peers in that sense, but we're children of God. And in God's eyes, we are the same as, as the respect that is due us. So in order to have that peaceful, emotional environment where everybody can just be themselves, they have to be respected and accepted and connected to us. And then within the home, we, we teach human virtues, which helps us with our emotions, right? So we teach them how to be kind when they're having issues with their siblings. We, you know, we get involved and we talk about kindness patience, understanding. We teach them to be selfless. Uh, just in the day-to-day -day interactions of the home, we teach them to be generous when we ask, you know, can you go play with your little brother while I go take a shower for the day or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, and so all of those human virtues, uh, we do by modeling, but then we also bring it in in the way we help them treat each other. And that builds up the emotional environment of the home. Um, and I think something that's important to remember, many moms feel like they lose it with their children. And while we have to be careful, of course, and that would come back to uh, questioning ourselves whether or not we're modeling patience, uh, kindness, we also need to remember that we're not going to be perfect. You know, that's just the way it is. And so we can't we can't say, well, I'm just not patient, so therefore I'm not even going to bother trying. We need to try. And the interesting thing is that now my children are all in their 20s and 30s, and they don't remember the times where I failed miserably with the children. <laughs> they don't even remember that because mm -hmm. they remember me trying and becoming better and better. And so I think that's really important to to kind of remember Um it's and it all goes towards helping our children be 
emotionally sound, heard, and just feel comfortable with where they are in their home. Mm -hmm. I would imagine too, that some of this emotional environment that you create is not just like parent to child and how you, you know, how you guys interact and that kind of thing, but also parent to parent, how the two of you converse and interact and because the kids are watching, right? And that that also impacts that. Yes, for sure. Um, And the good news and the bad news is that the children are learning how to be parents with the way we treat our spouse. And, um, And I say it's good news, bad news, because while we would like to treat our spouse perfectly, and that's the goal, of course, to be respectful to our spouse, to um, to work together to solve problems rather than, you know, who's the victor in any conflict. Um, but also, so we like our children to see the good things, but when we fail, it's good for the children to see us reconcile. That's important. Many children come from a family where they don't, they think you you have a fight and you break up. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they need to see that marriage is long term and you're going to make mistakes with each other, um, but you're going to, you know, um, make up and make amends and grow and move beyond it. And to your point about um, our behavior with our spouse in front of our children, it is important, and it's important enough to stress that we should not have arguments in front of the children. And of course, we should never take sides because once we do, you know, you're putting your child in an untenable position. It's just not where they should be. They should love each each parent equally. And even when they hear us argue, they're stressed. It creates tremendous stress. So yeah, be real careful about how you argue and where you argue uh, and try not to argue, but try, try really to be working together to understand each other's situations and how you can work together to figure things out. Sure. This is bringing to mind when I was growing up, if one, when one of the girls usually got into a fight with my mom and my dad somehow got involved, right? He heard about it when he got home from work or it was the weekend and he was home. And he would always say to us, how dare you treat my wife that way? As opposed to how dare you treat your mother that way? And that slight little nuance in language made a huge difference for all of us. Cause suddenly we were like, oh, like we're hurting him too by hurting her. Cause they are one yes. as opposed to like our mom, like, eh, whatever, you know? And right. I think even little things like that can have a huge impact on kids and that emotional environment you're creating. Yes, absolutely. And it teaches the children that their marriage takes priority mm-hmm. and that's really important. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, great. Yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit about, especially in this emotional environment, navigating it the waters when the kids are getting older, right? Mm-hmm. Like now you have all these 20 and 30 year old kids, right? But even as they're teens and then they're going off to college and now they're making their own decisions and mm-hmm. you might not agree as parents or whatever. How do you navigate all of that? Yeah, I'm still learning. <laughs> sure. uh, it is, you know, once um, I, I make the joke that I, I, I would like free will for myself, but nobody else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> once they become, you know, high school, college, and especially when they they move out of the house and they're on their own, they will make decisions that you might not like. And they may make decisions with regards to a sibling that you know hurts the sibling. Um, I always told my children from the very beginning that when I die, I have to answer to God for who I was as a mother. And so I do not 
insert myself into their lives as adults. But when something happens, I will bring it to their attention and kind of call them out on it and, and ask and have a conversation with them, asking them if they understand that the way they're behaving, how that's affecting someone else. Um, but you know, whether they live 15 or 30 minutes from me, that's their decision. But the way they treat people, the way they live their faith, I still feel like I'm never not their mom. So mm-hmm. I think for all older women who may be listening to this, you know, I, there's a fine line for sure, but helping people understand, especially our children, how they can contribute or they can detract from the family emotional environment. Mm-hmm. Sure. And I would guess those conversations with the adult children are easier when, when they're children, you've already starting this open communication and that dialogue and that kind of safe space at home where you're having these conversations so that it's not like out of left field when they're an adult and making a decision you don't like. And suddenly as the parent, you're like, no, please don't do this. This is hurting someone. That it just helps. Absolutely. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. We, we just, you know, as soon as those babies are born, our job is to make them independent and people don't want to do that, but mm-hmm. it's all of this. You start right away, little by little. Nice. Okay. So anything else we need to know about the emotional environment before we move on to the spiritual one? Yeah, no, I think we're good with, I think that's enough for now. <laughs> okay, great. So tell us about the spiritual environment. We've talked okay. about the physical one. We've talked about the emotions. Now let's move into that spiritual realm. Yeah. Also, you know, we always talk about it at the end, but I don't know if it's, of course, it's what fuels us, right? Mm -hmm. Our spiritual environment, our faith. And um, I like to say that it's important uh, to know the faith, but so many people stop there. I think that we need to breathe the faith. And I I say it in, in that way that it becomes everything of who we are and how we relate to the world. And and you don't even have to say anything about God. It's just the way you um, interact with life. So in our family, um, it, it wasn't that Jesus had a seat at the table and there was an empty chair there, but it was that, and then for some people, they do that, that's fine. But it, it, it was always that... Um, do you know, you realize that like in, in, in correcting children, you realize that when you hurt your brother, you're letting Jesus down because whatever, da, da, da. So they understand that their life is not their own. Their life is connected to, to God and informing their consciences. They understand that, um, there's a bigger world than just what they want when they want it. Um, now, we can't do that unless we are actively developing our interior life. Um, and that means that they need to see that God and our faith is important to us. It's top priority. And, um, you know, we, when we went to church on Sunday, we had church clothes and the children dressed up and they had church shoes and they always wore those shoes <laughs> And they understood that what we were doing was something special. And when I wanted to start taking them with me to daily mass on occasion, um, you know, there were donuts at the end because there was something special because they needed to behave, you know, because it was that important to mom that they behaved. So um, it's a matter of uh, keeping 
it's it's almost like Jesus and and Our Lady and the saints are in our extended family, and we we speak about them like that, and um and we always prayed together as a family at night, and the first thing we did was um we asked God to bless and we named all the people in the family, and then we went around and each of the children were able to say what they were thankful for. Thank you, God, for, and sometimes it was hot dogs at lunch, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but sometimes it was really big, like, thank you, God, for letting daddy win the case. You know, it was a big mm-hmm. thing. And we helped the children also um, pray for the needs of the family. Um, you know, it's, gosh, it's been 16 years that Michael was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer. And at the time, the doctors told me we had about two years with him. Um, and so, you know, I had seven children at the time. My youngest was five and it was, it was, you know, shaking me. And so what did we do? We went right to prayer. And so we wrote a prayer. Actually, Michael wrote the prayer. And every night we, we told the children in the prayer, it was God's will be done. And we expressed that to them so that they understood that it was always God's will, but we're going to ask anyway. And so here mm-hmm. we are 16 years later. So we're all good with that, but we helped the children, um, pray about it. You know, we let them into the things that worried us, that we were concerned about. And um, we prayed together as a family. We taught them how to depend on God um, and how to speak regularly to him. Mm-hmm. And then also, sorry, also oh. as a, yeah, sorry, as a couple, Michael and I prayed together every night on our own in our bedroom. Um praying for all the things that the children needed, praying for some private things that we needed. Um, and, you know, it was, it was this just, it was a place where we could calm down at the end of the day. And um, we started holding hands, actually, just one hand, which I am not a hand holder in prayer. <laughs> but I think we started it because um, there were times at the end of the evening with most married couples know you're stressed and you're, you know, a little anxiety and maybe you're not happy with your spouse for one reason or another. And that just calmed us and melted us mm-hmm. and reminded us of what was really important in our life. So um, I guess the the biggest message I want to express is that you can't convince your children of God and his love by just telling them over and over again you have to be, you have to, you can convince them by the way you show you love God and the way you pray. Mm-hmm. And, and they are watching. They're always watching us. So that's so true. I would imagine too, or I'm curious to get your thoughts on it, that a lot of moms, I think dads too, they're so busy, right? They have so much to do. They're getting the meals ready. They're driving kids to practice. They have jobs, all this kind of stuff that like, prayer is often the thing that gets pushed to the wayside, right? Mm -hmm. That like, I just don't have time for that. Or like, I'll do it later. And then later never comes. How can, I don't know, they either incorporate that into their day. Like, how can they make that a seamless part of it? Or like, how did you do that? I'm curious. Yeah. It depends on where you are in that stage of life. Right. Um, And, and I tried that whole, I'll do it later. And I never did it. (laughs) And my life didn't get any better. Mm-hmm. It was chaos. I was always impatient. I was unhappy. And when someone mentioned to me, why don't you just try 15 minutes? I'm like, okay, what, what can you get done in 15 minutes? Actually, it was kind of amazing because not only did it give me this, the place and the space to quiet myself, force myself to be quiet, 
But then, of course, I always came out of it more peaceful, more calm, and able to handle the children, especially when they were young. So, um, yeah. And then as you get older, you're going to find a different place in your day. So for, and it just really depends on your schedule. Um, I remember the years where every day was a different place where I would find my prayer, Mm -hmm. but I scheduled it. And I, and when I scheduled it during nap time or in the early morning or in the later afternoon, if that was the only time I could do it, I scheduled it. And it's a matter of our will of saying, this is important because, well, Jesus said it. I mean, look how many times he went off and prayed. You know, he had a lot of things to do. He had a lot of people to cure. <laughs> he, had, <laughs> he had a big message to get across. Sure. And yet he went off and prayed. So I'm like, if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. And mm-hmm. once you try it and commit to it, you see the benefits of it. Mm-hmm. I love so that. So absolutely critical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. Okay. So any final thoughts or ideas for everyone when they're thinking, okay, like I'm committed now, I'm going to work on these three environments, I'm going to make that bright and cheerful home. Any Mm -hmm. last words of wisdom? Yeah, just tomorrow will be tough and you'll give it all up again. (laughs) But this is the thing, right? Right? To begin again, right? Mm -hmm. Every day is that new beginning. St. Jose Maria talks about that all the time. Begin and begin again. And it really is true. God does not expect us to be perfect he just wants our will. And so to give that to him with regards to creating a better marriage and a better family life, it's just that act, that act of will of giving it over. So um, yeah. And just to remember that as St. Pope John Paul II said, um, you know, as the family goes, so goes the nation, so goes the world. It's really important to remember that. It begins with the family and it's worth the effort. Yes. I love that. That's a perfect ending note. Janet, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Ferris Love Shrine podcast. If you enjoyed it, we'd love for you to visit us at ferrisloveshrine.org, learn more about the project, read our blog, and subscribe to the podcast.